to that question. Hey, Heartland, how are we doing this morning? Woo! Good. Good to, good to be with you, all of you who are watching from home or wherever you may be. We're glad, we're glad to have you here as well. I want to start off with a question as we, as we close out the series today. I want to offer a question. Have you, has there ever been something that you wish you could go to or be at, but you couldn't get in? Something that you wished you could go to or you could be at, but you couldn't, you couldn't be in. Maybe, maybe it was a, a, a party, but you weren't on the invite list, you know, or maybe it was a a restaurant or a club, but, but you couldn't get a reservation there. Maybe for you, it was a concert, a concert of someone that you really, really wanted to be able to see or a sporting event that you really, really wanted to be at. But as soon as those tickets went on sale, they were, they were gone. Or if they, if you could get one, they were, they were too expensive. Or maybe it was a college that you wanted to get into or a program or a residency or whatever it may be, something that you wanted to get into, but the requirements were just too steep. It was just too elite of a thing and you couldn't get into this. And, and whatever it was, no matter how much you wanted to be a part of this thing, there was something that was out of your power that was keeping you from being able to do so. I'll tell you what it's been for me. It's this, uh, it's this little annual sporting event called the Masters. <laughs> So in order to get, this is one of the most prestigious sporting events to get to go to, and, and you, in order to even have a chance at one of the maybe 40,000 tickets or so that are made available, um, you have to enter a lottery. And it's estimated that over 10 million people every year enter this lottery just to have the option and ability to purchase the expensive tickets to go to this sporting event down in Augusta, Georgia, Augusta National um, Golf Course. And, and so it's less than a half a percent chance that you could actually get access to go to this sporting event. Yet every year I try, and every year I don't get in. I don't know what it is for you, but this is kind of what we've been talking about as we've been going through this series for the past eight weeks. That, that, that when Jesus came to earth, that the love of God kind of felt like this members-only thing. Or this thing that you had to kind of enter this, this, this impossible lottery. And if you, didn't, if you didn't have the right stuff or the right credentials or whatever it may be, then you didn't get access to the love of God. But the big idea of this series is that Jesus gives us access. Jesus gives us access to the love of God. Jesus gives us access to the life that God makes possible and wants for us. See, in fact, just look at this kind of understanding, this definition of accessible that we can work with here is that to, to, for something to be accessible means to be free of barriers and means to be easily approachable. To be free of barriers and to be easily approachable, that this is what Jesus did with the love of God. That you think about all of the barriers that, that, that existed between people and God's love that could get in the way of our, of our access of God's love and how Jesus broke through those. Think about the, the barrier of distance, right? That, that Jesus actually came from heaven to earth, quite a distance, right? That he crossed that barrier and made the love of God accessible. Not only that, that it was believed that the, the, love, the presence of God dwelled here on earth in this kind of almost secretive, holiest of holy places inside the very innermost areas of the temple in Jerusalem. And in order to access this, only a few people could, and it was only under certain conditions on certain days of the year, and they had to come right back out. And, and, and now, because of Jesus, that untouchable presence of God is now walking the streets. That, that God can now be seen and heard and touched and 
walked with, that, that Jesus took the barrier of distance and no longer is that a barrier between any single person and the love of God. Not only the barrier of distance, but the barrier of difference. That before Jesus, any single person could look at God and they could say, you don't know what it's like. You've never walked this earth like I have. You don't understand me. But now, because of this miracle, this mystery that we talk about as the incarnation that God put on flesh, that God moved into our neighborhood, that Jesus understood the, the joys and the agonies of life, he, he felt and experienced the struggles of, of human existence, that he became like us, that he gets us. He crossed that barrier, not just the barrier of difference, but the barrier of of, 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 of division, that there was no slice or sect of society that did not have access to Jesus. In fact, the, the irreligious or the overlooked who were used to being kept in their corner now had Jesus in their corner. In fact, in the very way that Jesus taught was a way that anyone from any background, from any, any, any uh, experience, relationship with God, that they could understand that he was making God accessible no matter where they were coming from. And ultimately, maybe the, the biggest barrier that Jesus crossed to make the love of God accessible to all of us was the barrier of death. And this is what we're gonna be celebrating in a couple weeks as we come here and celebrate Easter, that when Jesus overcame death, he overcame the power and the consequences that sin has in our lives in this world. That Jesus was restoring what was broken. He was, he was showing who he was and he was, he was taking care of the consequences that we incur whenever we try to be God. And when we try to be God, it separates us from God. And Jesus says, no longer is death, that separation from God, a barrier that can get in the way of us. That Jesus was the ultimate barrier breaker. That's what we were just singing about. We were singing Jesus way maker. That Jesus, you are the way maker, you are the access creator. You are, you are the one who gives us a way to approach God and to take care of all of those things that got in the way of that. Not only that, not only did Jesus create access for us, but Jesus was easily approachable. Jesus was, we've been saying, the most accessible person to ever walk this planet. That even though he was God, he didn't come with a scheduling assistant. He didn't require some sort of secret code or secret handshake to be able to come to him. In fact, Jesus welcomed everyone to him. Those with big needs or big questions, the cleaned up, the messed up, those with challenges for him who even wanted to, wanted to kind of bring him down a little bit, he still welcomed them. He even welcomed the, the guys who showed up with swords and handcuffs and he didn't let anything get in his way. He welcomed them. He was the most accessible person to ever walk this planet until he wasn't, until he wasn't. What do I mean by that? Well, there came a day when Jesus stopped walking the planet, right? You think about that. Jesus was accessible until he wasn't. It's hard to be accessible when you're no longer here to access. In fact, here's how Luke describes it. Luke writes one of the gospels and then part two of Luke's gospel. Luke's gospel is all about the, the birth and life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And then he picks up the story in part two in Acts. And so Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. He's been spending several weeks with his followers and showing himself to be, to be, to be true, to, to encourage them, to teach them some more. And then he gets ready to go back to heaven to be with God, how, like he's been telling them he's going to do. And here's, how, here's what Jesus says to his followers just before he leaves. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and he will give you power. 
And then you will tell everyone about me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and everywhere in the world. And after Jesus had said this, and while they were still watching him, he was taken up into a cloud, and they could not see him. But as he went up, they kept looking up into the sky. That now Jesus, this Jesus that they had, they had known and, and seen and heard and walked with for, for a few years now, was gone. It's kind of got this Mary Poppins feel to it, right? You know, at the end of the movie where Mary Poppins tells the children, like, you're good now, like everything's kind of fixed and, and now my work here is done and, and I need to go away. And she holds up her umbrella and the wind comes in and kind of takes her away and she just flies away through this really, really good graphic generator that they were using back then to fly away into the clouds, never to be seen again until a few years ago when we would bring her back and retell the story. And, but, but it's a little bit what Jesus, it feels, that feels like it's what Jesus is doing here, that he comes to his followers and he says goodbye to them, he, he encourages them, and, the, and then he kind of doesn't have an umbrella, but he just kind of goes off, goes off and away. And that's, that's a problem. It's a problem when you've made yourself a reputation of being the most accessible person, of creating access to the inaccessible, and now all of a sudden you're gone. That Jesus, the God who, who took on flesh and walked the streets and could be seen and touched as he invited people to access the love of God, no longer could be seen. So much for access. So much for access if you're just going to spend a, a few decades in one corner of the world. So much for access if, if you're going to kind of get whisked away into the sky with only some stories of yourself for people for centuries to hold on to, right? Man, remember when Jesus was here? Those were the days. Talk about access. But now he's gone. No longer is he accessible. Except if this was the plan all along. So maybe it was like kind of in heaven, it was known as, as, as like Operation Access. I don't know. Part one, Jesus, right? Part two, the Holy Spirit. He says that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. He's been teaching them about the Holy Spirit. We could do a whole series of the Holy Spirit. But this other member of the Trinity of God, that, 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 that one God, three persons, this Holy Spirit who was given to the people of Jesus, to be the people of Jesus, to allow them to be the people of Jesus to the world that needed access to Jesus. And that's, that's part three, the church. These followers who were left staring up into the sky, these few people would grow into this movement of people that Jesus is saying, it's upon you to, to now and go and, and create access for this world to be able to experience me. Look at this one verse back in Acts 1. What it, how Jesus says, he says, you will tell everyone, you will be my witnesses you will literally, you will be the evidence that this world needs to know who I am and that I am. And you will tell them about me in Jerusalem. He kind of lays out this geographic plan, kind of moving from, from close in to far out into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and everywhere in the world. It's kind of like in Olathe and Johnson County and the Metro KC, all over the known world. I want you to be access creators. I want you to be barrier breakers. I want you to be my witnesses all over the world. Now, originally, we were going to end this series last week. 
So if you've been tracking along, we've been kind of talking about all of these different invitations of the ways that Jesus invites us to access him and all the, the things of the life that we get to experience with him. And, and we covered some incredible ones. Um, but then as we were going through the series, we felt like as pastors, we're like, I don't think we're done yet. I think we need to consider all that it is that we've, we've kind of seen and heard in the series. But now we need to actually ask the question, what do we, what do, we do with all that? How do we not just know about it or hear about it, but how do we move into it individually and as a church? What do we do and where do we go from here? And so the, the big idea really that we can't, we can't miss as we walk away from this series um, this week, the big idea that I want us to hold on to is this right here, that the church is the people of Jesus who make him accessible to the world. The church is the people of Jesus who make him accessible to the world. That the church, in one sense, I'm talking about the big C church, that the followers of Jesus that span across centuries and continents, that, but not only the, the big C church, that universal church, but also, the, and especially, the local church. That's us, Heartland. That we exist to make Jesus accessible to the people of this world. But it's not just us. It's you. It's me. It's all of us and it's each of us that we all play a part in helping make Jesus accessible to this world. And, and the, the question that begs is, how are we doing at that? What's the reputation of the people of Jesus in the world today? I was, I was talking about this a while back with, with my barber. Um, I love barbers. They'll talk to you about anything. Barbers and bartenders and Uber drivers and counselors. You can talk to them about anything. And they've got a lot of great insights and questions and everything's kind of fair game. And, and, and as we were talking about this, like we both kind of had this, this consensus, this idea, this agreement that really we've kind of got some work to do. Um, and that's this idea that, that, that if the people of Jesus would, would live and love and a lot more like Jesus, then the world might have a better experience of Jesus. What do you think? Amen. Yeah, I think you think what I think, which is that we've got some work to do in order to help make Jesus more accessible. That usually, that sometimes we can actually be better at, at limiting access than creating access. That we, the people of Jesus, ironically, can actually do more to create barriers for people to get to Jesus than, than we do at, at breaking down those barriers. And so the, 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 the question I wanna spend the rest of our time on is just this, very practically, how? How can we be and all access people. How can we be those witnesses to the very end of the earth and right here in our own neighborhoods for people to be able to access the love of Jesus and the life that he offers us? And so there's a letter, lots of letters in the New Testament that were written to these, these new young churches uh, around the known world at that time. And many of them were written by this guy named Paul. Paul had quite a story to himself, and, and uh, uh, Paul was a tradesman by day, kind of a leathersmith. He made tents out of leather, would sell them to those who need them, sell them to the government. But then by night, he was helping start churches and encourage churches. He kind of had this dual thing going on. And one of the churches that he started that he really especially loved was a church in the Greek city of Thessalonica. And uh, he writes them a couple of letters and in it, he's just encouraging them to, to keep up the good work. And obviously there was division and tension and mess. And if you've ever experienced that in church, that's why most of the New Testament was written, was to speak into a lot of the mess that can happen when the, when the church doesn't get it the way that Jesus wants us to. So you're in the right place if you've experienced any mess in church sometimes. Um, but he writes this letter and, and in it, he goes back 
because he's kind of having his credibility challenged by some of the people there in the city. And, and he goes back and he just goes down memory lane and rehearses for them the time that he spent with them as they were, first of all, strangers, but then as they were getting to know Paul and getting to know Jesus and beginning to learn about this life and become this church. And he walks down memory lane and, and he just assures them of, of kind of his love for them. And it builds up to this pretty key verse in chapter two where Paul says, because of our love for you, speaking of Silas and Timothy, who also were there at that time, because of our love for you, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our own lives as well. And you can't help but feel the, the affection that Paul has for these people, right? And, and I wanna highlight this verse because this verse, I think, shows us how we can be all access people. When, when we pull apart this verse, it shows us some things that, that we can keep on our radar, keep, keep on our mind as heartland, as individuals, as families, as households, of how we can be people who help provide access to Jesus. And it, and it starts right here. It starts right here with this word love. Everyone say love. love. See, that was Paul's motive. That his motive was love. Paul knew that motives matter because at the time when Paul showed up in this city, there were philosophers and sophists who would come into town and they would kind of speak eloquently about their ideas about the universe. And it could be mistaken that Paul was kind of one of these same individuals too because he was doing a little bit of the same thing. The difference was that these philosophers who would come to town, they would often do it for the money or they would do it to, for, to become famous or even worse, they would do it to seduce some of the females in the town. They would use their power and, and the influence that they would gain in, in, in horrible ways, but not Paul. He, said, he says, now remember when I, when I came to you, my, my motive did not come from error. It didn't come from selfishness. It didn't come from impurity. I wasn't here to make a name for myself. I wasn't here to make money for myself. I was making tents during the day. Remember this? I didn't want to be a burden to you. I didn't have a mask on to try to hide whatever greed that, that, that to, to greed that could have been there. I didn't try to flatter you, to win you over. My motive was simply love. That I loved you, that we loved you because we wanted you. Our motive was that you would experience in us the love that Jesus has for you because motives matter. Not just that. It also says the gospel that, that Paul had a message he had a motive, but he also had a message. This word that we use in the church from time to time that, that maybe we all define a little bit differently, the good news, literally the gospel is the good news of Jesus. And maybe in its most kind of simple form, the good news of who Jesus is and all that he has accomplished because of who he is. That what he is doing and has done in order to make right and restore what has been broken from the way that God intended it. And, and what makes this good news even better news is what this means for you and me. All of the things that we get to experience now because of who Jesus is and what he's done. And that's really, if you've been wondering kind of what, what's been behind this series, it's been walking through so many of those things of what the gospel means for us, that it means that Jesus is inviting us to experience these things, to receive these things. Just look, this is kind of like over the past eight weeks, what we have covered has been that Jesus invites us to a relationship. He doesn't invite us to something based on religiosity, but he invites us to a relationship, that he invites us to childlike dependence, that no, no, no longer do we have to try to hold ourselves up, but, but he invites us to be dependent on him and his power. He invites us to rest, to rest from the burdens and stress of this world and religion. To, he invites us to forgiveness. He invites us to faith, to security, 
to significance, and even last week, as Dan talked about, to satisfaction, to have our, our thirsts and our strivings quenched. And as we look at this list, maybe you kind of remember back over some of the messages that, that we've talked, some of the passages that we were in where we heard Jesus make these invitations. And I don't want this slide to go away. Before you have a chance, even if this is your first time, what is the invitation that maybe God wanted you to hear in this series? What is the thing that God thought of you, thought of for you, as we were planning and going about this series? I tell you, I think what it is, what it is for me, what it's been, is this reminder of an invitation to faith. That, that Jesus enables me to walk through the waves, even if he doesn't calm the waves. That he enables me to walk through the storms, even if he doesn't still the storms. The storms of our household, of our family, of our marriage, of our finances, of ministry, storms of this world. But what's, what's the invitation for you that he wants you to hold on to? And how can you remember the good news of that every single day beyond today? Paul had a message of good news. He had a motive of love, but he also, if we go back to that verse, there's something really significant that I want to point out for us. That he says that we loved you so much that we were delighted to not only share the gospel, the good news, but our own lives as well. Paul had a method. That his method was to share his life. He didn't leave a memo. He didn't send an email. He didn't put it on a poster. Paul shared his very life with them. See, Paul wasn't some guy standing on a street corner shouting the name of Jesus because Paul knew that the best way to share the good news of a God who came close wasn't to share that good news from a distance. That Paul, it, he knows the names and the stories of the people who are reading this letter because he spent time with them, learning them, getting to know their stories, getting to know their names. And so he had a, he had a method of doing life with them, of staying up late and talking with them. He had a message of the good news, the inexhaustible good news of who Jesus is. He had a motive of love. And so it makes me, it makes me wonder, what are our messages? And what's our message, Heartland? What's our motive? What's, what's our method? And I hope, I hope that, I hope that our, our, that our here at Heartland, I hope that our message is the message of Jesus. It's very simply, I love this, that, that even ever since there has been a, a heartland, there has been this intentional and disciplined focus on just keeping the main thing the main thing, of just focusing on Jesus and not trying to let so many of the other things that can complicate our message do so, even good and important things, but that our message would be the good news for this world in need of it, of who Jesus is and what he's done. What's our motive here? Well, I, hope, I hope what you would know so it's not to make a name for ourselves. We're not trying to, to outgrow other churches in town. We're not trying to be the, the new cool church in town. New ended a long time ago. Cool ended when you hired me. Okay. But our motive, our motive is the people around us who want to experience the depths of God's love for them, that no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, no matter what their experience with God or church has been in the past, that there is a place for them here, here with us. And what's our method? We make space to build relationships, to make Jesus first. 
And this is a newer thing for us, that we're realizing that, that it's the relationships that we build with one another and with the people around us where the gospel is experienced. That's, that's, what, that's what we're moving into and make, trying, to, trying to remember and realize. And we learned this. We learned the importance of this from Paul. And, and he learned this from the people who shared their lives and the life of Jesus with him. And those people who invested in Paul, they learned the importance of this from the people who shared the message and life of Jesus and their lives with them. And they learned it from Jesus, who walked with and talked with and got to know the people who followed him. And so that's why this is so important for us. Now, here's the thing about these three, method and message and motive. If we go back to this, we need all three. We need, we need a motive of love. We need a method of relationship. We need a message of the gospel. All of three of these are critical. If we only have two of these three, well, then we're not creating access. We're limiting it. We're not, we're not breaking down barriers. We're actually creating them. Here's, here's what I mean. If we, have, if we take out the method of a relationship and we just have a motive of love and a message of the gospel, but no relationship, we have no credibility. If we, if we have the message of the gospel and we have No motive of love, but the method of relationship. Vanna makes it look so much easier. If we have these two, we have no integrity. Now, if we have a method of relationship and a motive of love, but we have no message of the gospel, of the good news, then we have no power. We're not creating access for people. We're limiting it whenever we take one of these out. And so as we think about us as a church, we have to keep these in focus. As you think about your own life and relationships and the people that you want to experience the love of Jesus, we have to think about all three, all three of these things. Now, these matter and you and I matter. There's one thing that we're saying, it's that you and I matter because the church is the people of Jesus who make him accessible to the world. But, but I wanna get more practical about these. I wanna kind of drill down one more level because, because there are all sorts of obstacles in our world that are keeping people from this all access invitation of Jesus. And we don't need to be adding to the mix, friends. But you and I matter. See, see buildings, as, as important and as helpful as a building like this is, as the church buildings scattered around our community are, buildings don't give people access to Jesus the way that you and I can. All right? and, and worship services, as important as these are, and the services and the programs that, that churches are able to offer, as, as amazing and important as these things are, these things can't give access to Jesus for the world the way that you and I can. And church staff, as committed and trained as we are, we can't give people access to Jesus the way that you can because we're not walking around the hallways of your offices and your schools and the streets of your neighborhood the way that you are. See, you and I matter. The church is all of us and the church is each of us. And so as we think about how do you and I, how can, how can we be practical? And how, how can you be an all access person that's giving this world around you access to Jesus? Well, let's just revisit those, those barriers that we talked about that Jesus overcame. You know, let's throw those five barriers up there again. That Jesus overcame death, he overcame difference, he overcame division, and he overcame death. Distance. Who's far from you? Or who's close to you but far from God? 
And maybe they're, they're close to you relationally. It's someone in your home or your life or your, your, your office, whatever it may be. Maybe it's someone who's close to you physically, but not relationally. It's someone that you see at the mailbox or someone on the other side of the fence and someone in your workplace, someone whose path you cross. And they're close to you, but, but maybe they're far from knowing the love of God. What if, this is one of those questions that I phrase as a question, but it's not really a question. What if the very reason that person is in your life is so that they can access the love of God, right? What about this difference? Jesus overcame the difference of God and humanity. Who needs to know that Jesus gets them? Who needs to know that, that Jesus understands their struggle? That Jesus has lived through the pains of this world? That Jesus is, is capable of, of sympathy and empathy and compassion because he has experienced the difficulties of life. <coughs> Who needs to know that Jesus gets them? And maybe it starts just by you learning more about their own story and asking questions. Division. What separates you from those that Jesus loves? And this is a hard one. Because in a world that kind of, kind of uh, pushes us toward inaccessibility, of locking our front doors and closing our garage doors and, and silencing our phone, and these are all for good reasons, in a world that pushes us toward isolation and, and independence and, and sticking to yourself, what are the walls that this is creating from the people that God has placed around you? And how could you overcome some of those things that separate you? Maybe, maybe what separates you from the people around you is a wall, maybe it's a street, maybe it's a zip code, maybe it's a, a political view. Maybe it's a stereotype. And what we need to remember is that the people on the other side of that separation, every single one of them mattered so much that Jesus came to this earth to die so that they could experience his love. And so how are you going to cross what divides you? And maybe for you, it was a small step this morning, just bringing some items to be able to donate to a community that, that you may not know a lot about. But someone who's trying to figure out life and family and language and home here is gonna experience the love of Jesus because of that small step that you took. And some of you are taking an even bigger step. You're gonna go be a volunteer. You're gonna go tutor in a language. You're gonna go come alongside those people and cross whatever it is that separates you. And then finally, who will you share your life with? You know, Jesus talks about how it's, as a follower of Jesus, every day we are to die to ourselves. And he invites us to do this, which is a, which is a, a a hard thing to do. This is, he invites us so that he can live his life through us. So now as we share our lives with one another, just the ups and downs of our lives and what we're going through and how we're, how we're doing it, Jesus is actually exposing those people to his life in us. And so who is it that you could love so much that you would share with them not only the good news of Jesus, but your own life as well? Who are you that you would be willing to, to access you, to open up your life to so that they could experience the life of Jesus in you? Last week, we finished this season of uh, something we've been doing called Midweek. You've been hearing us talk about it. Um, we're taking a break for a while. It'll come back, but it's just a time every, every Wednesday night where we take the things that we talk about, the scriptures we read, and we get in, into it with one another, into those passages and questions, just to say, what do we do with this? How do we live this out? How does this change things for us? And it's been an incredible time. Um, 
And it was awesome just hearing people share stories of what God has been inviting them to and them talking about becoming all access people without even knowing it because this message had not been written yet. Um, But to hear one person say, I think that maybe, maybe God moved me and my wife into this new community in a season of my life so that my new neighbors could have access to Jesus through me. And I'm gonna have to figure out what do I do with that? And to have the people around the table cheer that person on and say, how can we help? How can we pray for you in that? Hear another person who showed up for the very first time and said, you know what? I never thought that God could love someone like me. That God wouldn't waste his love on someone with, with, with my life or with my past or with my choices with who I am in the eyes of this world. And this table of people, this community of people, to be able to come alongside and affirm the love of God that he has for her. And what I heard was the sound of barriers being broken. I heard doors being opened. I heard access to the love of God being given. And this is what happens when the people of God, the church, make Jesus accessible to the world. That's who we are. It's all of us and it's each of us. And it's only possible because of how Jesus made the love of God accessible to us. Today we're gonna celebrate communion. If you're watching online, you can grab some elements, some some food or drink. And here in this room, you don't have them with you because we're gonna do things a little bit differently this morning. The night that Jesus was gonna go to the cross, he gathered with his friends, the people that he had given access to his life to, he gathered with 12 of them in a room and he took the bread and the the wine that was on the table and he kind of gave new meaning to it. He said, this symbolizes my body and my blood, which are gonna be given up for you. That I have to die a death in order to give you access to something that you could have never been included in. But this is what it's gonna take and I'm gonna do it for you. And it was, an, it was an invitation. It was an invitation to grace. But what I've learned is that it's not the invitation that matters as much as the response to it. And so really, at the end of the series, maybe the question you should be asking yourself that we all should be asking is, what am I gonna do with the invitation that Jesus is giving me to access him and the life that he has for me? And what's keeping me from saying yes? And just as a way to maybe symbolize that, we have four stations around the room, two up here on the stage, two in the corners in the back. And as the band leads us in this song, it's a time just to think about that and have some communion with God. And when you're ready, as a way of receiving that, of accessing the grace of Jesus, you can come forward to one of these stations and take those elements back to you and, and take the bread and the juice on your own. Or maybe for you, it's a question of how, how Jesus are you inviting me give access to the people of the world in the world around me to you. And if you're here for the first time, uh, this table is open for you if you are in need of and desiring the grace of Jesus in your life. If you're here for the first time and you're thinking, man, this is this was really kind of a, a lot of stuff for the people who are already following Jesus, but I'm not quite sure what to do with this. I'm so glad you're here because I think you can vouch for the importance of this. And I think you can hold us accountable to it because how we share the message of Jesus matters. That we would be a people who love others so much that we share with them not only the gospel of Jesus, but our very lives as well. 
So now as the band leads us in this song, take some time and let's pray together. And you can reflect on your own before coming forward. Jesus, thank you for giving us access to what we couldn't access on our own. Thank you that this love is far deeper and wider and bigger than we could ever imagine. Thank you for this grace, which we could never reach the bottom of. And thank you for the good news of who you are and what you have accomplished on our behalf. We pray for the people whose names and stories that we may not even know in the communities around us, the people right here in the world that you've put us in the middle of. Lord, that you would help us not to create barriers, but to remove them so that people can hear your invitation to them, Jesus. Amen.